You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. We ready to get in the Word tonight? All right, we got a special night because it's a new series. New series alert! New series alert. But before we get into it, which by the way, our series is called In the Gray. Somebody say In the Gray. We're gonna get in the gray tonight. And um, if you're gonna be following along with me tonight, you can get your notes out, your Being Transformed journal, your Poured Out journal, your phone, not for Instagram though, for notes. Uh, That's right. Get your journal. Anybody got a physical Bible? That's right. Mama A representing the physical Bible club. Amen over here. Any student with a physical Bible? That's okay. That's okay. If you've got a Bible with you or you want to write this down in your notes, we're going to be starting off tonight in 1 Peter chapter 3, but we're going to get into that in just a second. Before we do, let's pray. Let's invite God in. Let's let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight. So Father God, I thank you so much for New Song students, God. I thank you so much for this family of God that you have planted us into, God. Your word says that when you are planted in the house of the, of the Lord, you will flourish. And when I look at this room and I see so many people that I'm doing life with that are planted in your house, I see flourishing. I see fruit. I see you speaking and moving and growing us deeper in our faith. And so tonight, Lord, as we step into this new series and we start to, 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 to talk about and digest and think about the hard topics, the gray areas of life, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you speak to us? Would you give us clarity? We thank you that you're in this room because we've invited you in and we're ready to hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, I got so much content for y'all tonight, so I'm gonna try and keep it, trying to keep it sweet, trying to keep it simple, but I might be around, I might be around this pulpit, this podium for a little bit, but I love a new series. You guys know this. If you've been here any amount of time, a new series is like one of my new, it's like one of my favorite things that we get to do in New Song Students. It's kind of like when you get that fresh pair of kicks or that fresh outfit. You know the feeling. You know that feeling when you got some fresh shoes that you've been eyeballing for some time. And you're not, you're not just stoked about the shoes, but you're even stoked about like the box that the shoes came in. You know that feeling. You're like, dude, look at how sweet this box is. You know, it's kind of like, like when you get that new phone and there's that layer of plastic that, isn't that the most satisfying thing? One time I was at the AT&T store and I was getting a new, a new phone and this a guy at the AT&T store was helping me set my phone up and this guy had the audacity to take the plastic off for me. I was like, bro, you don't do that to a man's new phone. That's a good feeling though. You know what I'm talking about, right? That plastic, that, that new series Smell, like, right? That's what I'm talking about. I love a new series. It's one of my favorite things, especially when we get to do a new topic. We get to shift gears and we get to learn in a different way and grow in our faith. And so up until this point in the year, you guys know we've already covered a ton of ground uh, since the beginning of the year. We kicked off this year, 2022, with our vision series. What was it called? Somebody help me out. Wow. What was it? so much better. Okay. I was worried for a second. 
We kicked off this year with our vision series poured out and God gave us some vision, some clarity, some goals to, to go after this year. And it was amazing. He spoke so much through that. And then last week, our boy Tondurai, he preached. Y'all, he preached for an hour. That's how much he preached. But it was good. And we, we wrapped up last week a very biblically dense series that we were in called Colossians. Somebody say Colossians. And uh, New Song students, before we get into the word, I just want to commend you guys. You guys are amazing. I love your heart for God's word. I love the way that you guys love God, the way y'all worship. And I'm telling you, it's because of the posture that you guys have week in and week out that we're even able to go as deep as we do every single week here at New Song. So thank you. Look to your neighbor and say, thank you. Thank you. Look to your other neighbor and say, thank you for showing up. Y'all show up. And because of that, we get to go deep. We get to go deep here. We don't play around at New Song students. And, and, um, and so every series, like I said, every series that we do here is, is really important. I believe God speaks through them to change things in us, to add things to our life, maybe to remove some things from our life. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, to challenge us. At the end of the day, every series should do this one thing, help us know God, right? Every series is important, but this series, I'm telling you, this series in the gray is really important. It's really important. In fact, I'll go as far as to say, I think this series has the potential to be one of the most important series full of messages that you will be a part of in your time here at New Song Students. Now, hear me. I don't say that because like, I'm awesome and have all the answers, because I don't. That's not why I say that. I say that because in the next five weeks, we're gonna be looking at some of the biggest questions that people inside of the church and people outside of the church have when it comes to God, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to walking with God. And so this is a super, super important series. And we're gonna be looking at God's clear, black and white word, because God's clear, because God is kind. And so he lets us know his heart and we're going to see how God's clear and kind and black and white word helps us kind of figure out this really gray and confusing world that we live in. Amen? So when I'm talking about gray, you might be like, what, what, is, what exactly do you mean by that, Pastor Jackson? You're talking about the color? I'm not talking about the color. Uh, I looked up, uh, I looked up the, the, the word gray, and I tried to get a good definition of kind of what I'm talking about when I say gray areas in life. And I found this quote from this guy named John Spacey. Never heard of him before. Don't think he's a Christian, but I think this is a great definition for us. Okay, you ready for this? Here's what it says. It says, a gray area is meaning that exists between two extremes. This is an analogy to the area of color that exists between black and white. Gray areas result from ambiguity and rich variation that naturally occur in language, culture, events, information, objects, environments, and people. So basically, we live in a world with a bunch of different people, a bunch of different languages, a bunch of different cultures. And because of that, it really blurs the lines and makes things blurry and confusing. But look at this. The ability to think in gray areas is a basic element of intelligence. Okay, interesting. So uh, we're going to be talking about Adam and Eve in just a second. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But you all ever heard of Adam and Eve before? Okay. I think, I think you would. Okay. So in that story, you know, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. God tells them, hey, you can eat from any tree, but don't eat from that tree. Somebody say that tree. that tree. 
don't eat from that tree because what's going to happen if you eat from that tree? You will surely die, right? Whoa, surely die. And so what do they do? Well, they ate it. <laughs> they went to the tree, they took the fruit, they ate it, and nobody dropped dead. Like, they were all right. They ate the fruit, and nobody got poisoned. Eve didn't drop dead on the ground next to the snake. And then, boom, right there. This is a gray area. It's confusing because, wait, didn't God say that they would surely die? He said, black and white, pretty clear. If you eat this tree, you will surely die. But when they ate the fruit, they didn't surely die. This is a gray area. What did God mean when he said that? Here's another one for you. You hanging in with me? God's word talks about the importance of who we surround ourselves with. You ever heard that before? Like we need to think about the people that we're doing life with, that we're closest with. And this doesn't mean that we just ignore people who don't know Jesus, right? (laughs) Like, get out. No, that's not what it's about. We don't ignore or reject people because they're not walking with God. But it does mean, God makes it pretty clear in his word. He makes it pretty clear when we look at the life of Jesus that the people that are closest to us, like the people we're doing life with, that we're rubbing shoulders against, that we're sharing our struggles with, it does matter who those people are. And God makes, God's word makes it pretty clear. But what happens if in your life, you start to get really close to somebody who is not living for God, like at all, and they're living a completely different life. Or maybe you start to, you know, you start to get feelings for somebody who doesn't live for God, and you're like, well, maybe I can get them to church and get them saved or something like that. Some missionary dating. You know what I mean? And this is where it gets, this is where it gets gray because we start to think, well, what's, what's wrong with them? They're just, they're just a person. Like, how are they possibly going to like, turn me away from my walk with God? And this is a gray area because God's words makes it pretty clear about the relationships that we're walking in need to be monitored in some way, but we might feel a different way about that and it becomes a gray area for us. You feeling me? I got one more for you. And this is where we're, we're just gonna go ahead and jump into the deep end of the pool. We're going there. What about God's design for a thing called sex, all right? What about God's design? Think about this. When we read God's word, what is God's word? It's his mind. It's his heart. So in it, we know exactly what he wants, exactly how he designed something, exactly how his heart for something. And so in God's word, we actually find out that sex is not a bad thing. It's not something taboo. It shouldn't be something that we avoid. It's actually a gift. But according to God's design, God says it's a perfect gift. It's a powerful gift, but it's meant to be had in the context of a marriage. It's this powerful gift that joins a husband and a wife together to be one, right? We've heard this before. Um, And God's word makes it pretty clear that really anything outside of that is out of his design, Anything outside of that is out of his design. And so what happens, though, when you know people that you go to school with that are having sex? Or what happens when you fall into a pornography addiction or something like that, and then you start to, uh, you start to walk in this gray and blurry mindset where, well, they seem like they're all right. They're enjoying this thing, and... The world is telling me one thing, it's great, you should do it. God's word is telling me another thing, it's great, but you should wait. It gets blurry. Are you hearing me? It's a gray area. It's an area that exists between two extremes. And what tends to happen in the life of a Christian, especially today, 
especially today, with social media and the fact that we can see a thousand different perspectives all at the same time, is when we start to walk in a gray area in our life, it can start to cause us to feel this thing called doubt. Somebody say doubt. And what is doubt? It's when we start to question, what did God mean when he said that? Like, what did God mean? And we start to wonder, what really is right? Is the world right? Is God right? Is the church right? You hear what I'm saying? Is what I'm hearing in the world right? Or is what I'm hearing in the word right? And see, whether you've experienced it before or not, it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how much Bible you know. doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a student. I don't care who you are. At some point in your walk with the Lord, you will experience this thing called doubt. And can I just encourage you for a second, New Song students, if you've ever felt doubt before, you're not crazy, you're not wrong, you're not bad for experiencing doubt. You see, we've got a very real enemy, New Song students, and doubt is one of his main tactics that he uses against God's people. In fact, if we're looking at scripture and the whole, the whole story of the Bible, he's kind of been using the same tactic over and over again because it works really well against people. It works really well. Uh, you know the story. We're going to go back to Adam and Eve for a second. God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, you can eat from any tree, which is like they had options. It's not like they only had the tree of knowledge of good and evil and then the tree of life. They had options. You can eat from any of these trees, but don't eat from that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. And he makes it pretty clear. Would you say that's pretty clear? Pretty black and white instructions from God. He says, all this is yours, but you can, and you can eat it, but don't eat from that tree. And then enter Satan. Devil shows up. And what does he do? He starts to question God's integrity. And what he really starts to do is he starts to plant these small, really tiny seeds of doubt into Adam and Eve's hearts. And it wasn't bad at first. You know, having that thought of doubt is not inherently bad. But what happened is it blossomed into something. And it turned into sin. And so what was that thought? You've probably had this thought before. It's the same thought that Adam and Eve had. Did God really say that? You ever had that thought before? Or maybe what did God mean by that when he said, surely die? And the enemy, he planted this really tiny seed. It was just a question. He said, did God really say you would surely die? Like, come on, Adam. Come on, Eve. It's just an apple. Go for it. Did he really say that? And this little thought that was not bad at first, they could have dealt with it right there, nipped it in the butt, but it grew into something really big that eventually became a wedge that separated them from their relationship with God. Now, the reason why I think that this series, In the Gray, has so much potential to be an important uh, series for you is because we have an enemy who is doing the same thing to believers today. He's coming into these gray areas and he's saying, hey, did God really say that? What did God really mean by that? Because like your friends are doing this thing and they seem like they're doing okay. Are you hearing me? And when we start to walk in these gray areas, it can cause major seeds of doubt. But here's why my heart for this series is so strong because I believe that you don't have to be intimidated by the gray. I believe that you don't have to be intimidated by the gray. In fact, I believe, and this is the whole heart behind the series, you can be prepared to walk through the doubt. You can be prepared to walk through the gray and actually come out of the other side stronger in your faith than you did when you started. Amen? There's a a scripture I told you to turn to, 1 Peter 3. We're going to go ahead and jump into it. Here's what it says. I love this. 
It says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts. So time out. What is Peter saying right here? He's saying, hey, in this world, there's gonna be times where you're doing life with people who are believing different things than you. You might even be persecuted. You might even be bullied. You might be defriended or ostracized because of you believe a different thing. But look at Peter, he's encouraging us. He says, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy. Look at this, always being, somebody say that next word, prepared. Say it again, say prepared. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer doing good if that good should be God's will than for doing evil. I love this passage, New Song students. I love this passage because Peter is telling us, hey, you are going to walk through gray areas in your life. There's gonna be people going against the grain of God's will and that's okay and you can be prepared for that. When somebody that you are doing life with or that you're going to school with believes something different than you and comes against what you believe, Peter says, you can be prepared for that. Amen? You can be prepared for that. But unfortunately, the church, the family of God, and not New Song specifically, but the church as a whole hasn't always done the best job of preparing. We haven't always done the best job of preparing each other, preparing our, the next generation to have these hard conversations because if we're being honest, it's kind of easy to just pick one side or the other, is it not? It's easy to live life in black and white and to avoid the gray because the gray is uncomfortable. The gray is kind of taboo. The gray makes us feel uncomfortable, but when we avoid knowing the truth, we leave room for Satan to, to put a lie in. Wow. I want to say that again. When we avoid the truth, we give space for the enemy to plant a lie. And so at New Song Students, we're going to go there. Is that okay with you? Yeah. We're going to go deep. We're going to go in the gray because I believe that in this series, throughout this series, the series, the Holy Spirit wants to prepare us for the very gray world that we live in. So we're gonna get in the gray. Somebody say, we're gonna get in the gray. We're gonna get in the gray. But before we do, there's two things that we gotta know, two really important things that I wanna hit before we get into our specific topic for tonight. First thing is this, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is not a series about answers. It's a series about faith. This is not a series about getting all the right answers. At the end of the day, this is a series about faith. Now hear me, answers are great. I think answers are really important. Like the whole reason why we're doing this series is because there are some major questions that people in the church, people outside of the church have about God, about Bible, about the Bible, about truth. And how many of you know, we need to be able to answer those questions. So trust me, I'm not saying answers aren't important, but what I am saying is answers are not gonna save you. Answers are not gonna save you. You know, maybe you know somebody who's doubted God before. Maybe you've been in the room before and you've had doubts 
about God before. For being real, there was a season in my life where I walked through about a six-month season of doubt. Ironically, it was when I was in Bible college. And uh, sometimes that happens to people, okay? But I was in Bible college, and I started to walk through this season. It was about four to six months of extreme doubt. I had these thoughts. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? What was God trying to say when he said that? It was a dark season for me. It was hard. It was uncomfortable. And in that season, you know what I was looking for? I was looking for answers. I was looking for answers. And you know what I was doing? I was spending all of my time, all of my energy, listening to all the messages, reading all the books, listening to all the podcasts. And at the end of all of this, I felt the Holy Spirit so sweetly speak to me. And and I knew this was the Holy Spirit because it was a thought that came into my head. It wasn't my thought. And this was God coming up to me and he said this, Jackson, do you trust me? He said, Jackson, I know you really want answers. I know you really want to understand up here, but do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you really trust me? And in that moment, I could see God was showing me something really important about our faith walk, okay? And here's what we need to know about it. As much as we want all the answers and we think that's gonna make the doubts go away, I'm telling you, it's not. You know what's gonna make the doubt go away? It's faith. Answers are great. Answers are important. We're talking about them all throughout this series, but answers are not gonna save you. It's faith. Are you hearing me? It's faith that's gonna save you. Like, if we had, have you ever heard somebody say, well, like, if I, if I had all the evidence, all the empirical evidence that, Jesus was real, that the Bible is trustworthy, that God exists. If you could show me all the evidence, sure, then I'll believe. You ever heard somebody say that before? I've, I've heard somebody say that before. If you show me all the evidence, then I'll believe. Then I'll believe in Jesus. But here's, here's my, my uh, opposition to that. Answers don't save you. Jesus does. In fact, I, I, I firmly believe that if we had the, the ability to get the real flesh and blood Jesus, like Jesus, who's at the throne of God right now, if we could have him in this room right now, right here, flesh and blood Jesus, there are people that would see him right there, the physical evidence, and they'd still walk away. The answer would be in the room, and they still wouldn't believe. You know why? It's already happened. This happened in the Bible. How many people all throughout Scripture, they walked with the physical Jesus The God of the universe was in the room that they were standing in and they still didn't believe him. They still walked away. So here's what I'm trying to get us to see, New Song students. I know answers are important and I know we all want to fully understand everything before we walk into into faith and walk and take that risk and, and do whatever. But here's what I'm saying. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. We live by faith. Somebody say faith. We live by faith and not by sight. Ephesians 3.16, I love this passage. Look at this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through understanding. Is that what it says? Hold on, let me read that again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through answers. Oh, hold on. That's not what it says either. What does that say? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. 
listen to me, New Song students, Jesus does not dwell in our hearts when we finally get all the understanding, when we finally get all the, under, all, all the answers that we need. Jesus doesn't live in our heart through answers. He lives in our heart through faith. You have to walk by faith. It's not gonna be the answers that makes that doubt go away. It's the faith that you choose to walk in. Amen. Amen. Next thing we gotta know is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. Doubt can be a stumbling block or a starting block. Doubt that you walk through in your life, it's either going to be something that takes you down or it's gonna be something that pushes you so close to God, you never thought you could get as close to him. Like I said earlier, doubt no matter who you are, doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, you're gonna face a storm, you're gonna walk through some really grace situations in life and there might be a seed of doubt that pops in your heart. What did God say? What, what did he mean by this? Why is this happening to me? Doubt's gonna come. And when that happens, there's really only two paths that you're gonna take. There's only two things that you're gonna do. In fact, we see this with Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, snake shows up. Did God really say that to you? Now, in that moment, you know what Adam and Eve could have done? They could have just gone to God. <laughs> like, they could have just gone to God and said, hey, God, I know you said that we shouldn't eat from that tree, but I got this weird snake telling me that we can eat from that tree. So could you help me? Are you hearing me? Could you help me understand? Like, were you, was he telling the truth or are you telling the truth, God? In that moment, when the doubt showed up at their doorstep of their mind, they had two options. They could have gone to God. It could have been a starting block for them to run closer to God. Unfortunately, that's not what happened for Adam and Eve. It became the stumbling block. It became the thing that they tripped up on and it allowed sin to come into their life and eventually it separated them from God. Here's what I want us to see, New Song students. Jesus is able to handle the questions you have. The questions you have, I'm telling you, our God is big enough. Jesus can handle your questions. So I wanna encourage you throughout this series, Man, if you are a person who's struggled with doubt before, I want you to know you're not crazy, you're not broken, you're not doing something wrong, but here's what you can do. You can run to Jesus. You can cling to Jesus. And I'm telling you, doing that, it will bring you closer to him. He will give you the understanding. When you say, Holy Spirit, help me, I don't get this, he will help you. Amen? Amen. And uh, all right, 20 minutes into the message, you guys ready to get on the topic for tonight? <laughs> Oh, man, it's good stuff. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to try to make it sweet for y'all, so we'll, we'll, just, we'll just keep doing this. Y'all hanging in with me? You doing good? Okay, so let's dive into our gray issue specifically for tonight. Um, I know we're just now getting into us, but, but it's kind of, we've, we've already been talking about it a little bit, so it's going to ring a bell for you. This topic that we're going to be looking at tonight really is the bedrock. It's the foundation for the rest of this series. What we're going to be looking at is Truth. Somebody say truth. 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 Now, if you don't know this already, we live in a really confusing time. Like, think about this. The fact that we even have to do a week about truth is kind of saying something about our society. Like, we don't even know what in the world truth is anymore. And there are some questions that our, our society, our culture is asking constantly. What is right? What is wrong? Who says, what makes your right more right than my right? Does that make sense? Like, I know you think you're right, but what makes your right more better than my right? 
Is there even such thing as right and wrong? These are the questions that everybody and their mama is trying to understand right now. You hearing me? And there's a saying, there's a saying that's been going around recently. Past five years or so, I've been, I've been noticing it pop up more. It's a phrase that we say in our culture today. And on the, on the surface, it sounds harmless. It sounds totally fine. But what I want you to see tonight is this is a, this is a phrase, this is a mindset that is causing so much division. It is breaking people. And this is it, my truth. My truth. You ever heard somebody say that before? My truth. Like, you've got your truth. I've got my truth. Oh, you're a Christian? That's awesome, man. I'm glad you found your truth. That's cool. But that's not my truth. Your truth and my truth. This is the idea that there is no truth. Like, you do you and I'll do me. Truth is experiential. So if you've experienced truth, that's great for you. But until I've experienced your truth, it's not my truth. Are you hearing me? Can we go there tonight? So check this out. On the surface, it doesn't sound that bad. It kind of sounds like this thing called tolerance, which is actually a good thing. Like that means we can all be in the same room with different people who believe different things and we can get along. That's not what this is. This is not tolerance because uh, this is saying that my truth and your truth are totally cool. But the second you say my truth is wrong, I'm going to come at you. I'm going to cut you. Because you can't step on my truth. Because what makes your truth better than my truth? And really, what I want, can we go deep tonight? Can we go there? This kind of mindset is rooted in a philosophy that started like 50 years ago. And if you've never heard about it before, you will. When you get to college, you will hear about this. But if you've never heard about this before, that's okay. You probably have friends who believe this. And here's what it is. It's this thing called postmodernism. Big word, fancy word. What am I talking about, postmodernism? Well, this is what the definition of postmodernism is, if you want to write it down. It's the understanding or belief that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Truth belongs to the individual and is only experiential. So if that didn't make a whole lot of sense, let me kind of unpack this for a second. It's this belief that truth is up to you. Like you get to decide what's true in your life. Truth is in you, and you've got to find out what's true about you. And man, we hear this all of the time in culture today, do we not? I mean, we hear this all of the time. And it's caused everybody to enter into this quest to find out what truth is. So what does that mean? i got to try out some stuff. If it feels good, maybe that's my truth. If, if, if I want it, maybe if I get it, that'll be my truth. If I think that's me, and that's how I identify, then that's my truth. The first thing we got to know about this philosophy, though, <laughs> is that it actually contradicts itself completely. Like it falls completely on its back before it even gets going. Because listen to me, the fact that you say that there are no absolute truths is an absolute truth. <laughs> are you following me? Like you're absolutely certain that there's absolutely no truth. So from the very get-go, if this is something you believe, you're already tripping. <laughs> because... Because you can't say that there's absolutely no truth. Absolutely there's no truth. How do you know? Are you following me? So this is very important for us as believers to walk in and to understand because it's a very harmful mindset. You know what it gets us to start doing? It starts us to walk in this, it starts to get us to walk in this thing called selective perception. 
Write this down, selective perception. It's when you get to pick and choose the truth that you want to see. So to help kind of illustrate this, uh, I got a story for y'all. When Haley and I first got married, I drove this 2001 Ford Explorer. And yeah, Ford Explorers are awesome. I loved this car. Her name was Dora the Explorer. I'm not joking. You can ask Haley. I'm not playing. We were, we're those weirdos. We, we name our cars, which everybody should do that. Um, so Dora, the Explorer, she was amazing. I loved this car. But uh, by the time we got married, she was kind of falling apart. <laughs> like Dora was struggling a little bit. Her AC was going out. The windows couldn't roll down anymore. And I couldn't even get through the driver's side door anymore. So, you know, I had to do that thing. I had to do that thing where every time you get in the car, you walk to the other side of the car. You open the passenger side door, you reach over the console. Who's ever been there before? So this is kind of the state that Dora was in when Haley and I got married. And by the time that we uh, got married, my passenger side door broke. So I'm not, I'm not kidding. To get into my car, I had to open the hatchback and I had to climb through the back of my car and then plop down in the, in the front seat. So, yeah, Caleb's actually seen me do it before. So, check this out. Four years ago, when we were still doing Set Up and Tear Down Church at Noah's, which, rip, we do not miss that. But, uh, rest in peace, Noah's. But when we were doing church, when we were doing church four years ago, I remember one Sunday after service, it was a Sunday, and I'm walking out to my car. Pastor Josh is next to me, and we, and we, we parked next to each other. And we're just talking, we're just talking about church. Man, church was so awesome. All right, see you later. I'll see you, I'll see you on Monday. And he sees me go to the back of my car <laughs> and I open the hatchback. And remember, this is my boss. So <laughs> Pastor Josh sees me crawl through my car and sit in the front seat. And he, he's like, hey, roll down your window. And he's like, hey, hey, bub, it's probably time to start thinking about getting your car fixed or you probably need to get a new car soon. He's like, you don't want a youth kid's parents seeing their, their youth pastor steal his own car. <laughs> and so I was, like, I was like, yeah, you're probably right. I probably need to get a new car. So, so when Haley and I, when we first got married, the first adult thing we ever did was buy our car. It, we bought our first car together. And I remember when we started this search, to get a new car, um, I had an idea of what kind of car I wanted. I knew what I wanted. I wanted the upgraded version of Dora the Explorer. So uh, if you're a dude or maybe you know about cars, obviously the upgraded version is a Toyota 4Runner because how many of y'all like 4Runners? Those cars are dope. So, so 4Runners are nice. I started doing research because that was the car I wanted. I really wanted a 4Runner. And uh, so... Uh, by the way, at this point in our like car buying purchasing journey, I didn't pray. <laughs> like I never was like, God, I know that if it matters to me, it matters to you. So would you help me find the car that you have for me? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> no, I just went straight to Craigslist and, and eBay and just looking up, hey, where can I get a Ford or a Forerunner in Oklahoma City? I didn't ask God. And uh, over the next couple of days, as I was looking for Toyotas online, the craziest thing happened. 
I started seeing Toyota 4Runners everywhere. <laughs> I mean, everywhere. Like I'm driving around Edmond. I, I see it on the way to the store. I see like four 4Runners in, in the parking lot of a coffee shop. They're at every single intersection. I'm pulling up to church and I'm like, there's three 4Runners right there. And at some point uh, in, the, in these next couple of days, I started to have this thought, God, are you telling me that I'm gonna get a 4Runner? Because <laughs> that's what I wanted, right? That's what I wanted. I really wanted a 4Runner. And if you know the car that I drive now, you know the answer was a big fat no. <laughs> I kind of got the opposite of a forerunner. <laughs> My car's cute, okay? But check this out. Look at this. This is a picture of postmodern mindset. This is a picture of selective perception. It's because I was seeing the things I wanted to see. I wanted my truth to be, I'm gonna get a forerunner. So what happened? I started seeing forerunners everywhere. So much to the point that I was like, God, are you gonna give me a forerunner? I started writing my life around the truth that I wanted to see. What's the actual truth, though? The actual truth was that forerunners were already there. <laughs> they were, it's not that they just started showing up because I wanted one. They were already there. I just didn't notice them yet. Are you hearing me? Are you following me? And so here's why this is so crucial, New Song students. As Christians, we believe, and I want you to hear this, that truth absolutely does exist. Amen absolutely does exist. And truth is not something that you and I get to pick and choose. <laughs> Can we go there? You and I, we do not get to choose what is, what is truth and what is, and what is not truth. Truth is not something that we get to choose on any given day based on how we feel, based on how life is going. Truth is absolute. And you see, the same way that I was on my quest to find that forerunner, <laughs> and searching for the right car for me, every single person living on this earth is on a truth quest. Every single person. Some of us are looking for truth in what we do. Some of us are looking for truth and meaning in the things that we get, how we identify. But here's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus lets us know exactly what truth is, exactly what it is. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're taking notes, write this down, New Song students. Jesus is the truth everyone is looking for. I'm telling you, Jesus is the truth everybody is looking for. Everybody's on a quest in their life to experience and find what truth really is. Even the people, listen to me, who believe that truth doesn't exist. Even the people who say that truth is not an absolute truth that it doesn't exist. I'm telling you, those people are looking for truth. And every single person who has that craving to find truth, can I tell you, they have it because they're created in the image of God and they're created to know him, to be in relationship with him. Because remember, truth isn't an answer, it's a person. Truth is a person that you get to walk with. So it doesn't matter, listen to me, it doesn't matter how far away you run in the opposite direction of Jesus, in the opposite direction of God's word, if you really are a person who's searching for truth, guess who you're gonna bump into at some point on your road? You're gonna bump into Jesus because he is truth. Truth is a person. There's a book that I've been reading uh, the past couple of weeks. It has been blowing my mind. I love it. It's a, it's a book called A War of Loves. 
and it's about a, it's a, about a guy, the writer, the author's name is David Bennett. And the whole book is his testimony of him encountering the person of Jesus and him getting saved and Jesus changing his life forever. And I love this book because here's the interesting thing about David Bennett. David Bennett wanted nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with the Bible, and nothing to do with God's people. You know why? It's because when David met Jesus, he was a gay activist group member. So we're going to go there. Are we cool, are we cool with this? Y'all hang I know you guys are like, whoa, okay. So listen to me. David Bennett, when he got saved, he was living in a gay neighborhood in London, going to school, and he was the leading member at his gay activist group and in college. And this dude was hurt, okay? This dude was hurt because you know what he believed? He believed that the God of the Bible hated him. He believed that the church hated people like him. He believed he was hated by God and Jesus until one day he encountered Jesus, right? Can I get an amen? amen. But check this out. This belief, this belief, the way he viewed God caused him to go in the opposite direction of Jesus. But even though he didn't believe God's truth was real, he found himself in his testimony on a truth quest. He was searching for truth. And so in his story, he talks about how at some point in his truth quest, he became an atheist, okay? So he doesn't believe there's a God. He doesn't believe anything about the supernatural. But when that didn't satisfy his need for truth, he was like, okay, well, I got to find something. So then he started walking in witchcraft, okay? He started going deep. And when witchcraft didn't start to meet his needs for truth, then he went to Buddhism. And when Buddhism didn't meet his needs for truth, you know what he said? He said, you know what? I need a relationship. If I'll just find love, then I'll have that meaning that I've been longing for my whole life. And so check this out. As you read this story of David Bennett's life, I'm telling you, my heart was breaking for this man because he's on this quest for truth and he is looking everywhere. He's looking for everything the world has to offer as far as truth and nothing is working. Nothing is working. And the longer that his truth quest went on, the closer David got to meeting the truth, which is Jesus. And so check this out. I wanted to read this passage from his book. Are you, are you okay with that? In this book, at this point in the story, he hasn't met Jesus yet. This is two months before he gets saved. So he's been on this truth quest for a while. And uh, he's at this party. It's in the middle of a gay activist party. And when he's at this party, he's got this journal with him. And at the top of the journal, he writes, what is love? Question mark. What is love? And then he passes the journal around to everybody in the room. And, you know, for a couple hours, it's going around. People are writing it. And then he gets the journal back. And here's what he says. Look at this. Many people sarcastically scrawled, baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> a few... Were a few were philosophical and flowery, including a quote from Proust and one from Plato. But look at this. But no one had a real answer. Not really. It was a simple question. Was the room as lost as I felt? Those pages showed nothing but an empty abyss. And I wondered if anyone really had an answer that would satisfy. In our films... In our songs and in art, we worship love, but nobody could define it. Really, that's it? Years later, I would read C.S. Lewis' words that described what I experienced. 
if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I started to have a sense, I started to have a sense that I had, there had to be a higher love that corresponded with my desire for intimacy. So check this out. In this party, David is looking for truth. He asks this simple question, what is love? Nobody can answer it. And he feels so empty inside because he's in this moment where he's like, what, what is truth? And two months later, he encounters Jesus radically gets saved, and right now he's currently going to school at Oxford becoming a doctor of, the, of theology. Crazy. So check this out. This is what we just saw, John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt that kind of emptiness before that David felt. I don't know if you've ever had that, that thought, I need these answers. I'm, I'm looking for these answers, and I'm not finding them. And I also don't care how far in the opposite direction you far away from Jesus. The truth is that the truth is not out there somewhere. The truth is not deep in here somewhere. The truth is Jesus. The truth is Jesus. The truth is a person and you can know him, New Song students. You can walk with him today. As we get ready to close, I want to invite the band to come up. Last point is this. I want you to write this down. We just, last, the last point we said was, Jesus in the tr is the truth that everyone is looking for. And look at this. His word is the stability that everyone hopes for. His word is the stability that you and I are looking for. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon, he spends three chapters, three entire chapters revealing exactly what absolute truth looks like. Jesus is like, oh, you want to know what truth is? Here you go. And everything in the Sermon on the Mount is not, this is how you should live, if it works for you. Or this is how you ought to live. Or this is how God is kind of like, if you like that. But you can take it or leave it. Like, no, 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 no. This is Jesus saying, this is God's kingdom. This is reality. Do you want to step into it? Are you hearing me? So check this out. At the end of this message where he is laying down what truth is, he ends it with this parable, and here's what it is. Matthew 7, 24, he says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And there was a great fall. It fell, it couldn't stand and it fell. You see, we're, we're all trying to build something in this life. We're all trying to build a house with our life. And some of us have adopted this my truth kind of mindset. I'll take this part of God's word. I like that side of Jesus, but I don't like that side of God. That seems a little harsh. So I'm gonna let that go over there, but I'm gonna build this life that I want and it's my truth. I'll pick and choose. And here's how good the mercy of God is. Here's how good God is. God lets us know, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. There's gonna be a storm that comes one day. Doesn't matter who you are. 
there's gonna be a storm that comes and blows at your house. And God is like a really great weatherman. He says, hey, there's a storm coming and you can be prepared. You can be prepared, but you've gotta build it on my truth. Not your truth, my truth. And God loves you and I so much that that's what he says. He says, hey, there's a storm coming. Follower of Jesus, non-follower of Jesus, I'm, I'm giving you a warning, there's a storm coming and I want you to stand through it. I don't want you to come out of the other side broken and torn down and separated from me, but a house built on your truths is not going to make it through the storm. A house built on your truth is not, is not gonna make it, but Jesus says, if you trust me, if you'll accept my word, if you'll, if you'll have faith in, in my best for your life, I'm telling you, you'll make it on the other side. You'll make it through that storm because my truth is a rock. New Song students, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know where you are in this idea of truth. Maybe you're a person who's been walking through doubt recently and you need a touch from heaven tonight. Maybe you're a person who's been searching for answers. I don't know where you find yourself tonight, but here's my encouragement to you. You can know the truth. Truth is not an answer that you're looking for. Answers are great, but the truth is a person and Jesus is in this room tonight. You can know him tonight. I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes.